Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hi, Fred. Well, first up this week, uh, Elon Musk's SpaceX. A Falcon Heavy launch vehicle had its first commercial successful placement of a communications satellite in orbit. But, Alan, the most impressive thing, perhaps, was what was coming back down to Earth. The pinpoint landing of all three boosters. Uh, Unbelievable. Uh, (laughs) My wife and daughter and I sat watching it live on the the screen here, and it was uh, exciting. I... um, I had the good fortune of being at the launch uh, of Apollo 11 at the uh, at Cape Canaveral um, the, many years ago, and this was uh, as exciting and uh, what a thrill! Um, I mean, this is a, this is a real technological <clears throat> achievement because of everything that has to go right and just be perfect and be pinpointing. Uh, Yes, Neil Armstrong was able to land a spacecraft on the moon, but he drifted a while and everybody held their breath. Uh, But but to bring these back uh, on the bullseye uh, at those locations, um, uh, uh, I think it's an enormous accomplishment. Anyway, um, boosted the spirits, at least my spirits, And in the Smart Driving Car newsletter, you talk about equating this with what needs to be done with autonomous transportation for the mobility disadvantaged. Yes, I think, you know, in some sense, it it really shows that technologically uh, we really can do things. And yes, uh, having vehicles drive themselves down our streets with our children playing ball in the street is, is a challenge. Uh, but the technology piece of it, I think, um, I think is certainly achievable and we've made enormous progress and, and is, is within our grasp. Um, the issue is, is, is how are we going to develop this technology and, and how are we going to focus it? And of course, um, I've been on a, a particular vector lately to make sure to try to uh, direct this technology uh, to where at least uh, I and many others think it, it can have the most benefit. And, and that's providing an improved quality of life to a number of people who have been left behind by uh, the great uh, mobility uh, that's been provided by the automobile that's so enhanced Uh, our quality of life, Uh, being able at a drop of a hat to basically almost go anywhere at any time um, and um, relatively inexpensively um, has enormously improved uh, most of our quality of lives. Uh, But for many, um, they've been left behind and and not having the opportunity to technologically make mobility machines uh, they can really serve everybody and have them uh, really focused on providing that serve, uh, service is a great opportunity for us. So um, <clears throat> that's where uh, I'd like to see the technology uh, be focused and vectored. In the meantime, uh, one of Elon Musk's uh, other little ventures, Tesla, came out with a, a new report on the safety of its autopilot, uh, reporting one accident 
for every 2.87 million miles driven using autopilot. That compares with the uh, NHTSA figures, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration figures, showing that in in the U.S. there's a car crash for every 436,000 miles driven, which of course gives Elon Musk the opportunity to say we're safer than humans on autopilot. Uh, yes, and if if in fact we are really comparing apples and apples um, and oranges and oranges here, um, and uh, we may or may not be, um, uh, I've been trying to run down the NHTSA figure <clears throat> as to what the 436,000 uh, miles really are between what kind of crashes and the 2.87 million miles. Uh, <clears throat> that the Elon uh, claims are between crashes in Teslas uh, to make sure that, in fact, we are comparing apples with apples here. Um, I, I think we are. Uh, and uh, and even if we're off by a little bit, the, the substantial difference in the numbers basically being, you know, 5x, uh, really suggests that indeed um, uh, autopilot um, is proving, at least as far as uh, I would like to suggest, that indeed it is uh, contributing to creating a safe driving car. And um, that is a big accomplishment. Uh, um, I will at least make the uh, request right here on the, on the podcast that I would very much like um, Tesla to release the data uh, to me or some other independent uh, researcher uh, to really um, uh, look at the data and to uh, provide an apples to apples comparison uh, with uh, NHTSA and other, other uh, public data uh, to really nail this um, uh, it, because uh, these uh, and the data that's being collected uh, from each of the Tesla vehicles um, it could very well um, provide strong uh, support and, and fundamental support to the fact that this technology actually does work um, uh, for what it is mainly intended to do, which is provide <laughs> for a safe driving car. Now, of course, this doesn't get to driverless, doesn't get us anywhere, uh, maybe not even anywhere near driverless, uh, but at least for the other smart driving cars, as we call, as I like to call them, safe driving cars and self-driving cars, uh, these are very, very impressive numbers. Uh, But again, uh, must um, make sure that, in fact, we are comparing apples and apples here. There's another Tesla story, Alan, uh, from Russ Mitchell in the Los Angeles Times that says the crowdsourced social media swarm that is betting Tesla will crash and burn. Well, uh, yeah, uh, you know, that's an article that that's focused on uh, the short sellers and um, and um, uh, their activity with respect to Tesla and. And certainly, uh, there have been um, great uh, proclaimments uh, or proclamations that have been made by uh, Elon. And uh, in fact, everybody is awestruck uh, by how um, successful um, uh, Tesla has been 
but to be uh, so successful as to really compete with the uh, traditional automobile OEMs and to <clears throat> really build a car uh, that is able to outperform uh, what the, uh, the major OEMs have been doing for over 100 years um, is, is, uh, is an enormous challenge. And so, um, and to do it profitably is even a, a greater challenge. Uh, so uh, it's an enormous hill uh, that uh, Tesla has uh, set for itself to climb. Um, and um, it's climbing, but there are, of course, a number of people that, that feel that um, uh, <clears throat> they're going to run out of oxygen be before they reach the top of Mount Esbrist and, uh, and crash and burn. But anyway, it's a very interesting article to read that Russ put together. And uh, obviously, they've got a, a lot of challenges, but I got to say, I'm seeing a lot of Teslas on the road, many more than I saw months ago or a year ago. Well, yes, it seems that way, but I guess these people are flying over over parking lots that just show Teslas sitting there, I guess. Um, yes, they're being produced and they're in distribution, but, you know... Um, uh, but, uh, me too, I guess when I was running this morning, I think I probably, uh, three, four, five, six of them I saw. And, um, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's getting to be a significant, uh, entry into the, uh, the flow of vehicles, uh, uh, on our roadways. The wall street journal had an interesting story over the past week with the headline, the battle for the last unconquered screen, the one in your car. And it's quite a battle that's going on. Of course, uh, you know, the battle started long ago when the, when the, the car uh, got the car phone. And why did it have a car phone is because the, the phone, I think, was as big as a car and re required half of the power of the, um, of the V8 engine or something like that to power itself. But um, uh, but the car lost it, <laughs> and our pockets won won the car phone. Um, and uh, now, you know, for a while, at least you know, a large part of the whole connected um, thrust with respect to um, uh, the the automation or automated and connected vehicles had to do with the screen. Uh, some people said that it had to do with safety, but no, it had to do with the screen and getting and getting uh, information to and from uh, the driver. Uh, why? Because I guess, um, as we know, um, advertisers need eyeballs. And uh, my goodness, you're sitting in your car. If they can put a screen in there that will attract your eyeballs, guess what? They'll be able to sell you stuff. Um, but as I write, my goodness, uh, please don't do that until you completely drive the car, uh, because, and do that very well. So, um, uh, I think we need driverless before we can have screens, um, because the people that really want the screens are there, are there in there are, they want to have your eyeballs so that they can sell you stuff. So that's why Apple's in there. That's why Google's in there. That's why Facebook and Instagram and even all the OEMs want to be in there. 
Interesting. And, and they certainly have the smarts to be able to turn those screens off or limit them uh, while we are still driving the vehicles. The question is, do they do it uh, and well enough? They do. But if we're but if we have to drive all the time, they don't want to turn them off all the time. Oh, so, of course, they're going to turn them on. And I mean, I, you know, I, what uh, we did podcast, one of our first podcasts was commenting on on apple carplay as a you know as a total distraction um they are distractions and they're they're distractions because the because they're trying to sell you something well some comments by ford ceo uh, jim hackett made headlines and there were differences in the way those comments were reported while business insider's story used the headline for Ford CEO tamps down expectations for first autonomous vehicles. The Wired headline was Ford taps brakes on the arrival of self-driving cars. And you had some praise for the Business Insider piece in the newsletter, but not so much for Wired on this one. Well, again, what what happens with these things is that is that in fact. Uh, uh, the, the words that are used for one thing mean one thing to one group of people and a whole other thing to another group of people. And, and it just, it, it, the, the terminology is just terrible. And so nobody knows what anybody's talking about. Uh, you know, what Ford said is really what they've been saying for some time. Yes, they, they made, and, and if we can use the terminology that we've been insisting on using uh, in these podcasts of safe self uh, and driverless cars, the three different kinds where safe and self are, are individual cars uh, owned, owned by individuals and consumers and require a, a adult supervision in their use. Um, in some sense, uh, you know, that's been going on fine and that's what Ford re- reported uh, but the but the getting to a point where these vehicles are actually uh, driving by themselves and provide mobility, um, those are still uh, uh, challenges, and they have been, and everybody's recognized that. And so, the timeline hasn't changed. I think the timeline what what's changed is maybe the perspective of some writers. Uh, maybe uh, getting to understand the subtle differences, which aren't really subtle, between safe and self on one hand and driverless on the other. So anyway, um, I guess I commented on both of those. Yeah, and uh, the comments uh, from Hackett came at uh, the Detroit Economic Club, and he said something like, uh, while their self-driving car is still coming in 2021, the applications will be narrow uh, and geofenced because everything is still very complex. Well, but of course it's complex. But where we drive our own cars today, if we have a 55 Chevy or even a Jeep, is geofenced. My goodness, you know, even though the commercials show, show us driving Jeeps down riverbeds, uh, we don't drive Jeeps down the, the Riverbeds are geofenced out of the area in which we drive cars. We drive cars on roads, okay? Uh, not in open fields, yeah, maybe every once in a while, uh, but not really. 
And so, of course, these things are geo. They've always been thought to be geofence. They wouldn't go everywhere. And in fact, um, uh, none of that has changed. Well, on the heels of the Lyft IPO, Alan, here comes Uber. Yep. Uh, so Uber filed their S1, and I'm encouraging everybody to look at it very carefully. There's an enormous amount of very good information in there, and you should read the footnotes, and uh, you should uh, look at everything. Uh, they, um, they're required to essentially divulge everything. They make it very voluminous so that there's a lot there. And they have some pretty pictures and some pretty graphs uh, up in the front to um, uh, highlight um, uh, some of their points. Uh, but um, but it's it's there. Uh, it is impressive. It's very impressive. Uh, the market penetration that uh, that Lyft, Uber, DD have been able to do in a very short period of time. Um, they're very impressive. Uh, uh, apps uh, that that they've developed uh, that are really as i tell my students uh, probably the best apps ever developed because they're so intuitive so easy to use so fundamental in terms of uh, provision of um, of services and and reducing user anxieties uh, i i like to say that that's why so many people have, uh, are now using these things. We've always had the availability of taxis, but it was the interface with the user that was missing. And you know, they, the apps are great, and uh, and the market has responded. Um, if it's going to continue to respond and respond in a in a in a profitable way to um, to um, uh, surge the valuations, um, we'll wait and see. You know, Uber and Lyft are a part of everyday life for an awful lot of people now. And maybe sometimes there's too much of a casual approach. Uh, case in point, I mean, there have been these disturbing stories about the dangers uh, faced by people who mistakenly get into vehicles that aren't the Uber vehicles that they thought. Uh, of course, it cost a 21-year-old college student, Samantha Josephson, her life. She was from New Jersey going to school in South Carolina, where she was murdered. And these stories are disturbing, but as we've talked about, not necessarily the fault of, of Uber or if it's a, if it's a Lyft. A, a Absolutely Lyft. not. I don't want anybody to, to even think that, that we're su- they're suggesting that. This is totally tragic. And, 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 um, and you know, if you, anybody who does anything that's successful, uh, unfortunately, the human nature of some people is that they'll go and try to take advantage for themselves for whatever uh, weird advantage that they want. And, and so one necessarily has to be careful. Um, uh, there may be some things that, in fact, uh, uh, Uber, Lyft, DD, and others can do with their apps to ensure uh, to do a little bit better job of ensuring that, in fact, uh, the vehicle that is now uh, that is that you're approaching is indeed the, the vehicle that that's been paired up with you, um, um, <clears throat> and and I'm sure they will do that. Um, they will make it better, and and this is um, you know just a tragic consequence uh, consequence of. Uh, 
of um, of them being being so successful and being so valuable and um, uh, but one uh, you know now has to be careful uh, Didi had a little incident in China uh, a year or so ago and and it uh, hopefully taken care of that one and uh, and I'm sure Uber Lyft will take care of these uh, kinds of incidents um, and um, and uh, again, uh, it, it's, a, it's a shame that uh, they're discussed in the in this in this in the same um, uh, context uh, because they they really are unrelated, <clears throat> and in a sense that um, you know if somebody wants to do bad, they'll do bad, and uh, and um, you know it just makes it tough. Absolutely, and it's a, I guess a a reminder to all of us that you can always see on the app where your uber is or where your lift is uh right right on the screen in front of you so. right you you have that you also have the license plate you have the 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 driver's name you have the you have a picture of the driver you just please be careful on that um um i know that you know it's it's so easy and 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 so nice to use um um but uh, but we 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 really uh, we, we do have to be careful. We just can't take it for granted. In the meantime, uh, an interesting piece you highlight in the newsletter from the information that says, with Waymo Robo Taxis, customer satisfaction is far from guaranteed. Uh, yes. <laughs> they were, okay, they did interviews uh, of, of um, people, what'd you think, and so on. So somebody had to think of, you know, say something good, say something bad. So the, they did. And I guess my comment was, uh, my goodness, if the, if the same entity went and, and surveyed the, the riders coming off of New Jersey Transit and asking them about their ride, uh, I, I think I said, you know, about 120% of them would, would uh, complain. Uh, I'm being flippant. <laughs> of course. In case anybody... But, you know, uh, uh, let's see, you can make uh, some of the people happy uh, some of the time or however that one goes, whatever. Well, I I like the story that that you have in in the newsletter from Wired that we just want to mention here. Uh, It says, meet the 89-year-old reinventing the train in his backyard. This is about a fellow who's built, I guess, a vacuum power kind of train <laughs> in his yard at a, at a vineyard? Yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, I, I, I actually know a couple of people, that, uh, a couple of friends of mine have garden railways, and, and I sort of tripped over it, Chip Gearhart being one of them. Um, and I tripped over this one, and um, I guess this guy built a um, um, large-scale a version of a, a pneumatic powered train in which uh, basically he has a he has a pneumatic tube uh which ha- has always been sort of um, a very interesting um propulsion uh, system because all you need to do in in those in those tubes is have a small differential pressure between the front and the back of the of the of the slug that's in there and it goes down down the tube i mean that's how a bullet gets out of a barrel of a gun right and so uh, people have been intrigued by this 
form of mobility long before uh, Elon Musk's uh, Hyperloop. Actually, there there was a system built and operated uh, in New York City in in the mid 1800s. Uh, so um, uh, these things are nothing new, but um, but in this application, um, uh, it's the uh, the uh, propelling element is in this tube, and it's it's uh, be a magnet attached to a real rail vehicle above. And so uh, this this fellow just put one in his vineyard and uh, and uh, has a nice video of it running. And I just thought it would uh, provide some entertainment at least to our readers. I think you need one to get from home to office to classroom, something like that, Alan. How about that? <laughs> yeah, now whether or not we're really going to build these things to go down our roads and do this, uh, I don't know. But anyway, uh, I like it spunk. Well, the Smart Driving Car Summit, the third annual summit coming up really just in a few weeks, uh, actually a month from now. Pretty yep. exciting. Yeah, it's a month from now. So uh, a month and a day from now, uh, we start and it will be uh, it will be a good one. Uh, we will have uh, uh, some uh, vehicles that we will be doing uh, some very simple demonstrations of. And basically the, the, the people that we're going to uh, have uh, kick the tires or, you know, get a first look at it will be uh, 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 folks from the mobility disadvantaged communities. And we're heavily focusing at least uh, part of the, the symposium on that, as well as on the um, other aspects of, you know, trying to create wel <coughs> welcoming environments in our communities so that we can actually uh, begin to deliver uh, some of these services, and of course, uh, talking about the in, and and demonstrating the, the advancements in in safe and self-driving vehicles. Uh, you know, many uh, there have been many improvements that have been made to vehicles that are now available in our showrooms, and um, and are available to purchase, including Teslas. Um, and so, <clears throat> well, we'll be uh, basically. Uh, uh, focusing on where we are with these and how we can continue to improve these. So on the one hand, we'll be looking at mobility machines uh, to serve everybody on the one uh, that's the driverless end and, uh, and improvements in the current uh, vehicles that we've uh, uh, grown to love over the past hundred years. And of course, it's not too late for people to sign up to be there. Uh, it's not, but uh, I know you hear it all the time. Space is limited, and we really are uh, very space limited. So it, um, uh, it 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 won't stay open for very much longer. Place to go for more info is smartdrivingcar.com, and that's where you can find us. Also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud wherever you get your podcasts, and you can ask your smart speaker to play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening, and thank you for being with me. And this was our 99th. Can you believe it, Fred, 99th? I don't really? feel 99. <laughs> oh.